Thank you for listening to Connection Church's podcast. This week, Brandon Williams continues his series, Momentum. In this message, we look at God's favor and how that is always about accomplishing God's plan. Too often, though, we try to skip the process and move on to the purpose in God's plan. Morning. What's up? Everybody good? You all awake this morning? It's going to be awesome. It's going to be an awesome day for those of you who maybe you forgot. Reminder, uh, baptisms today after church. It's going to be awesome. Uh, if you'll stay around, we're going to have hamburgers, hot dogs, all kind of good stuff going on. So I want you to stay around and hang out for that. It's going to be an incredible time. Got several folks who um, are planning to be baptized uh, this morning, and uh, that's going to be an incredible opportunity. Uh, also, coming up, um, something that you really need to check out today when you get home or on your smartphone, not right now, of course, but um, maybe a little bit later, is the new website, man. This thing is incredible, and I do want to give a shout out to Sean Fox, who literally, he, he has worked his tail off. Um, Getting this thing together, and it's like no, nothing I've ever seen as far as um, a church website. It is absolutely incredible. So uh, beneficial, user-friendly. If there's anything that you need, you can go there. You can even sign up for events. You can do anything you need to do there. You can get in touch with us, whatever it is you need. Go check that out today. It's, it's a really cool website. Um, I believe it's going to truly help us connect unbelievers to God and believers to each other as people go and check out things. Um, and i uh, got a huge Jesus page, man, where people can find out who Jesus is, what he did, and uh, how he and his life applies to our life. So really cool thing. If you're here for the first time, man, we're glad you're here, praying that God will move in your life. Those of you who've been here before, um, praying that God does some incredible things to you today, not to you, in you, in you today um, as we continue this momentum series. Um, Week five, got one more week after this. It's been awesome looking at uh, the topic of prayer and specifically looking at Nehemiah's prayer in Nehemiah chapter one. Uh, So we'll be looking at that again today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Nehemiah chapter 1. We're going to read that in just a moment. I'm going to catch you up a little bit on who Nehemiah was. Nehemiah was an Israelite who had been taken captive in Babylon. Um, And and he was, uh, it says in here, he was cupbearer to the king, which basically meant he tasted the wine before the king drank it to see if it killed him. The king wouldn't drink it, right? Really highly valued guy. Um, and so they, he, would, he would do this. He, he finds out from his brother Hananiah who comes uh, to Babylon and tells him, listen, man, you, the, the Jerusalem is in shambles. The walls are, have been knocked down. The gates have been burned with fire and, and everybody is distraught and somebody needs to do something. This is terrible. And Nehemiah takes it upon himself. He begins to pray and he prays this prayer in Nehemiah chapter one. He begins to pray that God would use him in an incredible way. And we're gonna read uh, this prayer in just a moment. But the thing I want you to understand is that God took Nehemiah, a cupbearer, um, whose life literally was not valued more than to test wine and see if it was poison. He took him and he used him to restore an entire nation. And I believe that that is the power of prayer. We named this series Momentum because all spiritual momentum begins with prayer. As we begin to pray and we begin to seek God's heart, I truly believe this, that God will move in an incredible way in this community and in our lives. He'll move in us so he can move through us and bring people closer to him, which is what we're all about, is seeing people connected to Jesus and seeing them go from death to life. So Nehemiah chapter one, we're gonna continue this, read this prayer today, and then we'll jump in. Nehemiah 1, 1, it says, the words of Nehemiah, son of Hekeliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. 
And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instructions you gave your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if you're exiled people at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I've chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. And listen to this, give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. Let's pray, Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here and be in your presence, to be with other believers. God, thank you for those Maybe today walk through the doors and they do not know you, Lord. I pray that today your favor, your hand would rest upon this place and upon us, God, and that those people would come to know you and that for those who do know you, we would be encouraged and strengthened through your word, Lord, to live for you, to follow you, to pursue you with everything that is within us, God. Just do an awesome work through your powerful word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I don't know how many of you can tell this morning, but my voice is a little shaky. In fact, um, you should pray for my voice. Um, You can pray if you want to hear the message that it continues, or you can pray if you're ready to go, like that it stops. Either, please pray for my voice, okay? Um, The reason my voice is a little scratchy, a little shaky, a little weak this morning is that I coached three all-star baseball games yesterday, all right? I am what you would call a little competitive. We, kept, we played three ball games and, and we get to the ballpark. It's an awesome day. We, we're three and oh, by the way. Um, I'm sure it has nothing to do with the coaching, but we are three and oh. Um, we got to the ballpark and I found out from someone that there was an open slot for the possibility of playing a fourth game. And we hadn't played a game yet. We really didn't know how good our team would be. We didn't know much about it. And so I went and I was like, well, if we're going to be here anyway, we might as well play another game. So I walked up to the guy who was running the tournament, really nice guy. And I said, sir, I hear that there might be an opening for a fourth game. We'd love to play in it. We, we, we're going to be here anyway. So we'd love to be a part of it. He said, well, the team that you'd be playing at four o'clock is the team that you're about to play. And we really would like to make sure that they have some competition. And that somebody plays them that can give them a good game. All right. (laughs) To say the least, I felt a little something stirring in my spirit. I was like, that ain't cool, man. I mean, like, just basically saying, y'all aren't good enough to play this team, and we're about to play them. And I know it's nine and ten-year-olds, but I've kind of got my back up. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm like, we need to go out there and play. And uh, so I give the, the team this awesome pep talk right before. I didn't really do that this time, but I was like, we got to beat these guys, man. We got to go out here and beat them. And did I mention that we're three, and know? 
Yeah, yeah, we beat them. Yeah, we beat them. And this is the thing, guys, this is the funny thing about it. It took everything within me when I saw the guy again to not go, I don't know what you call competitive. But I think that was competitive. Anyway, team didn't want to play us anyway. I don't blame them. We beat them. And so we, uh, but the point is like, listen, listen, man, I was like, what the heck is he, why is he telling me? What, what? And, and it took everything within me not to lose my mind, especially in that ball game. I was, I was like, I wanted to win so badly. And I'm like, okay, Brandon, this is nine and 10 year old baseball, nine and 10 year old baseball. Don't lose your mind. And the only reason I don't lose my mind because of my competitive nature is one, because the spirit of God like has to suppress that. But two is because I realize that every conversation I'm in, every time I meet somebody, every time, whether it's at a ballpark or wherever it is, every time I meet somebody, every conversation I have is because God has put me in a position to be able to represent him and be light in a dark world. And I seriously, listen, I'm not perfect at it, but the one thing I realize is that every conversation, everything that I, 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 I do during the day, everybody I talk to, I realize this is an opportunity to share the grace and the love and the reality of Jesus with somebody. It like changes the way you talk to people at Walmart. I was in Lowe's the other day and they had a sign that said return desk closed. I had to return one little item. I went around to the cash register where it told me to, to, to uh, return my item. I stood in line there waiting for somebody who like got up there and decided they needed something else. And I, I think it was at Walmart. I think they must've gone to Walmart to get them. That's how long it took him to get back to the register. And I'm standing there waiting and then they decided to open the return um, desk back up and everybody goes back, gets back in line and, and I end up like, at the back of the line I'm like, uh-uh, you're gonna have to open up that register right there because you're gonna have to check me out because I've been standing here forever I ain't doing this but it makes me mindful of how I talk to people of how I, I, I interact with folks because I realize this I realize that every conversation every person I meet is an opportunity to share the gospel of Christ not necessarily with words every time but with the way I interact with them and I realize that God puts us in positions constantly so that we can portray and so that we can proclaim the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ that's what he does Nehemiah was put in a position so that he could bring forth the glory of God by restoring a city I want you to understand that you and I today, as people who are followers of Christ, as people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, we have been given the commission of bringing the glory of God to this city. That's what we are here to do. And God has positioned us in a way so that we can do this, but it will not happen. I want you to understand this. Nehemiah says something at the end of this prayer that is so important because it will not happen. We will not see this city restored and brought to to a a place where God is glorified through it apart from one thing. And I want to read this scripture to you again. It's at the end of 11. He says at the end of this prayer, he says, give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I want to tell you all today, we cannot do anything of eternal value apart from the favor of God working in our lives. 
apart from God's hand, his favor working in our lives. Nothing of eternal significance is accomplished until we walk in God's favor, in his power. And see, here's the thing though, depending on where you come from and what church background and and what TV channels you've watched and everything else, people have a different understanding of what favor is. And today my prayer is that we would be able to see clearly what God's favor is and what its purpose is. That we would begin to pray for success because God's favor would be on our lives. Because apart from God's favor working in us and apart from his hand being on us, we will not be successful in ministry. We will not be successful in making an eternal impact. How many of you would like to have the favor of God on your life? Everybody awake today? Yes, we would like to. And there's the thing. I hope today that by the time we're done, we see clearly why we need the favor of God what it is first I want to tell you what it's not because there's been so many abuses to the with the favor of God so many times we see it as this ticket into some type of bless me club we see it as this thing that if the favor of God's on my life I'm never going to have a problem everything's going to be smooth sailing everything's going to be easy we equate it to like anointed prayer hankies and anointed water that if you'll send us a hundred dollars we'll send you a bottle of water sprinkle it on your head and everything will be okay and that's not the favor of God It's amazing to me that as people, we can get to this place where we think that if the favor of God and God's power and God's hands working in our lives, everything's going to be easy. But the 12 people who were the closest to Jesus, including Paul, 11 of those 12 were martyred for their beliefs. If anybody was going to have it easy, shouldn't it have been the apostles? And yet God, what he promises is not that his favor would bring us into this place of everything being easy and everything being okay and everything being perfect. What he promises is this, that I'm going to put you in a position to impact my people for my purposes and my glory. That my favor is going to work in your life to bring you into a place, into a position that you can share me, that that you can be, be my vessel to deliver my people from sin and death and to fulfill my purpose, which is to glorify myself and fill the earth with my glory. So many times we've gotten it backwards where we think that somehow the, the, the favor of God and this is where I believe the nut of the, the, the teaching, that the, the core of this teaching is where we've messed up. We have made the favor of God about us and not about God. And what I want you to understand, guys, listen, through Jesus, through the grace of God, you have already received the favor of God. In fact, you've received so much favor through Jesus that you will never exhaust the favor that you have with God for eternity. Never, never exhaust it. Never, never be like, okay, I don't have anything else left. There's nothing left in Christ for me to be able to grow from, to learn from, to be enriched by. Never, you have been given everything in Christ and when we begin to see that that is exactly what God's grace is is his unmerited favor then we can come to a place of realizing that God's favor is not about what we receive it's now about what we can give that makes sense to anybody that now because of Christ in us because of what Jesus has done for us in us he now wants to do something through us favor now is not about what we can give is or it's not about what we can receive it's now about what we have to give 
It's about the fact that he's already given us everything in Christ. And when you think about favor today, this is what I want you to think about. When you walk out of here and you begin to pray that God's favor would be on your life, I want you to think I made it real simple for you, okay? Real simple, and God made it real simple for me so I can give it real simple to you. I want you to think about favor and and, and think about it in this way, in three Ps, three Ps. I'm a preacher, we do things with letters that all start with the same thing, right? Words that start with the same letter. Three Ps, the first one is position. The second one is people. And the third one is purpose. That God's favor today, now, in our lives, the reason he wants us to walk in his favor is to get us into a position to impact his people and bring deliverance to them through the proclamation of the gospel, bringing them from sin and death and so that his purposes can be fulfilled, which is filling the earth with his glory. God's favor is about getting us in position, about delivering his people and about fulfilling his purposes. We're going to see this today, and, and I want you really to grab hold of that, to, to see that this is what favor is about, that we can do nothing apart from God's favor working in our lives. But we've got to have a God-centered view of this favor, not a view that it's about us. It's about the kingdom of God and about other people. We've already received in abundance God's grace, which is his unmerited favor. It is now about what we can give and not about what we receive. Think about the life of Nehemiah. Think about how God's favor worked in his life. Man, this guy was a cupbearer. Anybody know what a cupbearer did? He drank wine all day. Not a bad job. Come on. Not a bad. The Bible says that the king never saw him unhappy. The first time I read it, I was like, this dude was awesome. And then I was like, wait, cupbearer, cupbearer. He was drunk. He was toasted, hammered. No wonder he was happy all the time. But he was cupbearer. And the amazing thing about it is that God took this this cupbearer, this man whose life was not very valued. I mean, if you drink wine to see if it's poisoned so that then if, the, the, if you die, the king doesn't drink it? I mean, what do you, they probably just like, if you die, they just drag you out. I mean, they don't, it's not a big deal. And God took this guy who was cupbearer, whose life was not highly valued. And, but when he placed his favor on his life, he positioned him to make an impact and to deliver a nation from oppression, to rebuild a city, to give them hope, to bring them to repentance, to begin to restore them. And this is what God did when he put his favor on him because God's favor, simply put, is about getting us in position to deliver God's people and fill the earth with God's glory, fulfilling his purposes. That is what God's favor is when we begin to seek and go after God and we ask for God's favor. We need to be clear what we're asking about. You look at the life of Joseph, man. You want to see favor on somebody's life. Look at the life of Joseph. Joseph, here he is. He's, you remember the guy in Sunday school, coat of many colors? That's typically about all we talk about with Joseph in Sunday school is like he had this coat of many colors and then we color it. What we don't talk about is that because of his brothers being envious of him, they threw him in a well. They jerked him out, sold him into slavery. He was bought by an Egyptian official. 
He, he was elevated to a place where he ran everything in the Egyptian official's household until his wife, um, Potiphar's wife comes along and falsely accuses Joseph of trying to sleep with her. Then he ends up going back to jail and then he interprets the dream, ends up standing before Pharaoh and before long, Joseph has gotten into a place where he's in charge of everything in the land of Egypt. God raised him up. God put his favor on his life. He raised him up to do incredible things. Why? So that he could deliver Israel from a famine and so that God's people would be built into a strong nation that would one day bust out of Egypt and that would one day be a people who brought forth the Messiah, Jesus, so that his people could be delivered. You keep going through. Ladies, here's one for you. Esther, anybody heard of Esther? Awesome book of the Bible. Go read it. It's incredible. Esther was an obscure Jewish girl, man. Listen, she, she was just minding her own business, doing her own thing. And, and then uh, Mordecai, her uncle, like don't name your kid Mordecai. That ain't cool. But, but Mordecai, her uncle, finds out about this, this edict that the king has, has, has put out that he's going to kill all the Jewish people. All the Jewish people are going to die. And he goes to Esther and he says, Esther, listen. We got to do something about this. And, and, and they start to call all these young ladies in and they start to find, try to find a king for, or a queen for the king. And Esther's given favor. The Bible says she's favored and she begins to be elevated and she's put into this position as queen of the land. But, but here's the awesome thing about it. She was put into this position as queen of the land only to then turn around and risk her life. She was elevated to this place where Mordecai finally says, listen, Esther, you've got to go in and you've got to talk to the king. You've got to convince him not to kill the people of God, not to just annihilate all the Jewish people. It's your time. It's your place. You go in, you talk to him. You've got to convince him that not to kill us. And she's like, listen, I, you know, if I go in there, all he's got to do is say, kill her and, and I'm dead. She's like, I don't, I can't do that. And he's like, Esther, don't you realize that right now you've got to make a decision to preserve your life, which is not going to happen anyway, or to risk your life for the lives of others. And he tells her this, this one quote, he says, perhaps you've come to royalty for such a time as this. God was positioning her in a place to deliver his people so they could fulfill his purposes. And I want you to understand something. In the book of First Peter, it tells us this. It tells us that you and I are a royal priesthood. That we're royalty because of what Jesus did on the cross. Because of Jesus' sacrifice, you and I have been brought into a royal family, that we've been made royalty. And the thing that I would tell you this morning is that you weren't brought into royalty just to be some kind of pampered um, um, person who's just served constantly. You were brought into royalty for such a time as this so that you and I can deliver God's people from sin and death, that we can be a part of fulfilling God's purposes and God's plan by fulfilling everything that he's called us to do, which is proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the truth of who Jesus is and seeing people go from death to life as they follow him. That is why we've been brought to royalty, not just for our own selves, not just for us, it's because 
because of God's plan that we would bring other people into the kingdom. You continue on, listen, even the, the life of Mary, Mary, the, the mother of Jesus, when the angel Gabriel appears to her, the first thing he says to her is, Mary, you're highly favored. Mary's freaking out. She's like, there's this big dude with wings. I don't know what to do with this. She's like, he's like, you're favored. But why was Mary favored? It wasn't to exalt Mary. It was to bring Jesus into the world so that he would be exalted. So that he would be lifted up. Not Mary. You look at the life of Jesus himself. He was fully God. Yet the Bible tells us he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, something to be held onto. But he laid all that down. He took the form of a servant and he became obedient even to death. And the Bible says even to death on a cross because death on a cross was seen as a curse. You need to understand that Jesus became a curse so that you and I would not have to be cursed, that we could escape the curse of sin and death. Jesus himself, as our greatest example of what we're to be about in life, did not come to be served, but to serve others. And that God's favor was placed on his life. Luke 2.52 says that when Jesus was a little boy, that he began to grow. He began to grow in favor with God and man. Why? So that he could be put in a position to deliver God's people and to fulfill God's purpose. You see that all through scripture. Favor of God was placed on people so that they could be put in a position to deliver God's people and fulfill his purpose of fulfilling the earth or filling the earth with his glory. That is what God's favor does in our lives. I want you to understand, I've seen this in my own life. I've seen how God works in, in, in this, this, this favor in our lives. I've seen it because, listen, man, I was 10, 12 I don't know, man, life goes by fast. 10, 12 years ago, I was in the roofing business. Like every year, God puts me on one roof a year just to remind me why I don't do that anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, dang, when we did that motel over there, I was like, thank you, Jesus. I went to the office the next week. I'm like, I love this place. But I was in the roofing business for 10 or 12 years. And, and today, man, I have an opportunity to proclaim the gospel to tons of people. But I rem- look back over the last several years and I see how God's favor has been on my life. I even look back for me before Christ when I met my, my now wife, Susan. And, and I realized, like, I didn't have any business being with her. And, and today, if I had a daughter, I would be like, you need to dump that loser. But we were like one in a million that actually worked out. And Susan used to tell me when we were dating, she would look at me and she'd be like, I feel like I'm supposed to marry a pastor. (laughs) And literally, guys, like this is what I would say. I'd be like, well, you need to be dating somebody else. Because I ain't that. And I'd even tell her, I'd be like, you need to be dating Tom. She's laughing because she knows it's true. I'm like, you ought to be dating Tom. Tom's a good old boy. He'll be a preacher one day. You need to date Tom. Good looking dude. That's not a good dating strategy. I'm just saying, if you like the girl you're with, it's probably not a good dating strategy to try to throw her off on another guy. But I was seriously, I was like, if you're wanting to marry a pastor, that's not me. You don't... So I even saw God's favor working in my life to get me to this place where he put me with a wife who felt called to be a, a pastor's wife. 
Did he even work? Did I see that working in my life? Man, when we, we felt called, Susan, I think sometimes has thought, you know, we'd rather just had a godly man, not a pastor. But, but when, when we started feeling called to full-time ministry and, and we were moving in that direction and, and I was a youth pastor for, for five years in different ways, in different places, man, for five years, a youth pastor, knowing I wasn't a youth pastor, but I saw the favor of God opening doors so that I could be put, listen, into a position as part of the process to get to this position. We, we went through about an eight-year stretch where it felt like we were just running as fast as we could to get to a point. And finally, when we started this church, we felt like God says, this is what I've been bringing you to. But here's a little side note, Christians. Listen to me. Too many times Christians want to skip the process that gets you into position. We want it today. We want it now. And we don't want to go through the process to get to the position that God would have for us. This is the thing I would tell you. Many people want a godly marriage, but they jump in bed with the first thing that comes along. That's not the process to a godly marriage. Some of you right now, you're running from God. You're running from God and you're missing the process that will get you into position for him to fulfill his purposes in your life. A lot of us want a promotion, but we refuse to be faithful in the day in and day out work that God's already given us so that he can get us into a position to do the things that he desires to do in us. And don't miss the fact that he's already put you in a position to do incredible things right where you are. He's already put you there, but so many times we want to skip the process that gets us into the position, that gets us ready to do the things that we did. I was a youth pastor for about five years knowing I was not a youth pastor. People would say, you're a great youth pastor. I'm like, I'm not a youth pastor. I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. But you get paid. I'm not. They, they pick their nose while I'm talking. I, I'm not a youth pastor. I'm not. And finally, I had somebody walk up to me one day. He goes, you're not a youth pastor. I said, Amen. But I saw God's favor through the process. I saw God doing this. I, you know, we saw God's favor on our life as we were, felt led to plant this church. We, we prayed about it and we felt led to do it. And God gave me the grace, gave Susan the grace that I'd be able to plant a church, that we'd be able to start this church, that I could go to school 30 hours or work 30 hours a week doing it, finish my master's while we were doing it, raise a family while we were doing it, be a husband while we were doing it. Man, that was hard. But God's grace did it. I look back, I see God's favor during that time. I don't know. When I look back and I think, how did I do that? How did we make it? How did we survive? God's favor, his grace working in our lives. And he brought us into this place where we would have a position. And I want you to understand, though, here's where we can get caught and where we can get screwed up, is that we begin to look at that and we start looking at the favor on our lives and we start thinking that we're something instead of the God who got us there being something. Do you understand? This is not about me. This is not about me. If you came today and told me, Brandon, you'll never preach again, but God's going to do something so incredible through this church and so amazing through this church that you'll not believe it, that you will not believe what your eyes see. But in order to do that, you can't preach anymore. Okay. And I love to preach. I love to do this. 
but I don't care. This is not about me. The favor of God on my life is not about me. It's not about my family. It's not about elevating us. It's about elevating Jesus. It's about people coming to know Christ. That's what the favor of God is about in our lives. We saw the favor of God working when we started this church. Man, if there's ever been a time when I saw the favor of God, it was when we started this church and, and, and we started out. And let me tell you the greatest sign of favor on this church. We're still here. We are still here. Because I assure you of this, when we started out, we had no clue what we were doing. In fact, now that I've read some church planning books after we planted the church, I'm like, did that wrong. Oh, missed that one. Hit that landmine. Oops. I mean, we didn't do anything right. But God's hand was on it. All we knew is God said, start the church. I remember one day Susan looks at me and she's like, how do you start a church? I was like, I don't know. Y'all want to come over and eat some chili? Yeah, we'll eat some chili. Hey, we're going to start a church. How do you start a church? I don't know. I think we're doing it now. <laughs> and we just started meeting and things started happening and things started. And I want you to understand, every day I walk into my office, I'm doing something I've never done before. Every day. I've never done this. I've never pastored a church with this many people every day I'm doing something I've never done before and the only way that we're going to make it just to put your mind at ease let you know the pastor's in control to put your mind at ease the only way we're going to make it is God's favor is God's hand remaining on this church that God continues to move in this church now we're going to be stupid and do stupid stuff but I can tell you this if God removes his hand from this church we will no longer make a kingdom impact but we saw God's favor like crazy moving man first time uh, the first year we were given a building free for a whole year the rent on that building was typically $54,000 a year That'll give you a little confidence that maybe God's working. There's 54,000 reasons to think that God's favor might be on the church. You know what I'm saying? We started seeing God move in incredible ways. I remember we got to a place where we outgrew the first little section we were in. It became time to knock down the walls. It it was time to to tear them down and expand. We had to fill in a swimming pool. Didn't know how we were going to do that. We got it done though. Like, uh, how are you going to fill it in? We're going to put dirt in it. I don't know. I don't know other than that. We're going to put dirt in it. We did. We knocked down the walls. Here's the only problem. It was going to cost us about $55,000 to expand that building so we could continue to reach people with, for Jesus. You know how much we had? Thirty-five. Sitting in a board meeting, they look at me like, what are we going to do with $20,000 short? I'm like, I say we borrow it. Like, we're, going to, we're going to put this much money into a building that we don't even own? I was like, man, it's going to cost us more in the long run. We need to keep reaching people. Let's do it. I'll sign my name on it. Find out my name wasn't worth anything. So my father-in-law had to go sign the paper with me. Borrowed $20,000 to continue to renovate the building, to continue to grow, continue to reach people for Jesus. They were like, well, how are we going to pay it back? Our offerings were, were nothing. I'm like, I don't know. I was like, I thought I was being a big man of faith. I'm like, this was in uh, like uh, probably, mm, I'm thinking July, August, something like that. I'm like, we're going to pay it back by February. How? I don't know. But we're going to pay it back by favorite February. God's going to do it. Like, all right. So they went. We signed the paperwork. We borrowed the $20,000. Here's the amazing thing. 
I signed that paperwork on a Thursday. I wrote the check to pay it off before seven days were up. God paid it off in seven days. I thought I was in faith believing for February. I was like, February, God's like, Pfft. it was a favor of God working, the favor of God working. When we got into this building, man, we were busting at the seams. We were doing three services, three services a week on Sunday, 9, 1045, It was killing everybody. We couldn't have done it long. Like seriously, after the, second, after the third service, I would go home and I think I was in a coma for 24 hours. It was like laying there. Our worship team, like everybody just dying. We had tried to get in here before. It didn't work. The doors just closed. We were like, let's try one more time. We talked to somebody. They were like, yeah, I think we can do that. Got in here for cheaper than what we had originally been told. God opened the doors for us to come in and have a place to meet that wouldn't just absolutely kill everybody, that we could continue to grow and reach people. Why? The favor of God on this church, on our lives. But listen, 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 listen. Just like with me, just like with our lives, the, 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 the baptisms we send, we baptized 54 people on October 9th. 54 people. That don't just happen. We've seen 64 salvations since January 1st of 2012. That doesn't just happen. Why did it happen? Because of God's hand on our lives, his favor, moving in the hearts and the lives of people, drawing in the power of the Spirit of God, drawing people to him. That's what his favor does, is it puts us in position to deliver God's people so that his purpose of filling the earth with his glory is fulfilled. And see, here's the thing I want you to understand. It's easy for me to stand up here and talk about that and and, then look at you and say, listen, it's not about me. It's not about this church. It's about God. It's about exalting Jesus. And it's easy for us to do that and see that and understand that. But it's also easy for you to sit there and go, that's fine for you because you're a preacher. It's supposed to work that way. Listen, I do what I do. I, I go to the ballpark and not lose my mind I, I, I go to the office every day and try to portray Jesus to our staff. I, I, I go home to my wife and children and Lord knows I'm not perfect, man. They can tell you some horror stories. And I, and I go home and try to be Christ to them. Do all of those things. Not because I'm a preacher, but because I'm a follower of Christ. And it's the same for you. Listen, God puts you at the ballpark. Lord knows we spend enough time there. We might as well be Jesus while we're there. He puts you there, not so we can go bonkers over a little white ball, but so that we can share the love of Jesus. He's positioned you there. He's positioned you at your job, not so we can bicker and fight with everybody that comes through the door, but so that we can be positioned in a place to deliver people from sin and death so that God's purpose is fulfilled. God does that. He's positioned you with a marriage, not so that you can have somebody to work, clean, iron, cook and have sex that's not why he gave you a spouse those are all agreeable but that's not why he gave you a spouse he gave you a spouse to help you become spiritually mature so that your marriage portrays the love of Christ that Christ has for the world and for his church he didn't give you 
children to fetch a beer out of the refrigerator and get the remote control. Those are perks. <laughs> he gave you children so that you could raise them to shine the, the glory of God. He's positioned you by his favor. And I know sometimes when you got kids, it's hard to see the favor in that. But he has positioned you in a place to be able to shine the glory of God to this world. I want you to understand it's not about who's a pastor or vocational ministry. It's about being a child of God and God's hand and his power working in your life. And I want you to understand real quick because we're about to wrap this up with some, some incredible baptisms. But listen, I want you to understand that the first way you see God's favor in your life is that you see it. Look at how God's already worked and is working in your life. He's already at work. He's already working. God's favor, if you are a child of God, you are in Christ, his favor is on your life to position you to make an eternal difference. The second thing I would tell you is that you ask for it. God, it's exactly what Nehemiah did. Give me success by granting me favor with those that I'll come in contact with. But make sure your motives are right. Is it about my gain or the gain for the kingdom? Is it about expanding his kingdom or mine? God, give me favor that I can share your love. Listen, God has not put you in a school or a bank or a business to, 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 to just sit. He's put you there to be a game changer, to be a life changer, so that the truth of the gospel can flow from you into this world. Ask for the favor of God to be on your life. Give us favor, Lord. We can continue to reach people for you. Put us in greater position. Give us greater influence. And God, help us steward that well so that we can reach people for your kingdom. The last thing I'll tell you, and this is where I've seen it the most, people listen to me. This is how I've seen God's favor working in our lives is that we take our next step. If you want to see the hand of God on your life, continue to take your next step with Jesus. Continue on the journey. We see the favor of God, not in some magical formula or some one-time poof. We see the favor of God in the process and in the journey as we walk with him. Everybody in here has a next step they need to take. A next step in your journey with the Lord. And this is what I would say for many of you, for some of you in here today, is salvation. It is coming to a place where you truly trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You come into a relationship with him. Not something that just gets you up to Sunday school every morning or gets you to church every Sunday morning. Listen, that you know him. That he is your Lord, meaning you have submitted your life to him. And he is your Savior, meaning he has cleansed you. And you are trusting him to cleanse you of your sin. That you have turned from sin and turned to Jesus. For some people it's salvation. For some people it's stepping up to serve. It's saying, listen, I'm going to serve in my community. I'm going to serve here at the church. I'm going to be a connector. It's, it's a goofy name we came up with to call people that actually connect people to God and connect people to each other. That's all it is. It's serving. It's a part of our discipleship. He didn't call us to be a knot on a log. He called us to get invested and, and be working alongside our brothers and sisters in Christ to reach people for his glory. For some people, it's a connect group. Listen, our connect groups are taking a season off 
But here's the deal. We love to still introduce you to a connect group leader that you can make a connection so that you can get in a connect group in the fall. Maybe your next step is patching up your marriage. Maybe your next step is financial, to get in a position where you're trusting God, where your finances, not tipping God, but tithing to the house of God as his word tells us to, so that we can say we're trusting him, that we can truly, um, truly begin to trust him with our finances. Saying, God, here it is. It's yours. I recognize where it comes from. This would not be the God of my life. For some people today, and this is what's awesome, your next step is baptism. And for a lot of you today, several of you who said, I want to be baptized, your next step is about to happen in about 10 minutes. That you are going to be baptized. And baptism is what we do to publicly proclaim our faith in Jesus and who he is and the fact that we are not ashamed of the gospel and we are not ashamed of the one who saved our soul. It is saying, I trust in Jesus for my salvation. I trust in him as my Lord and I will follow him for the rest of my life. And as we talked about with the little pirate video, it was awesome, wasn't it? Um, you get the greatest treasure that you could ever find. You get Jesus. Here's the thing I know, is that a lot of you came today and you knew you were going to get baptized. Here's the thing that I also believe. Some of you got up this morning, you took a shower, you got dressed. Some of you guys spent more time in front of the mirror than your wife. You ought to stop that. And you came to church not knowing that today would be the day that God would prompt you to make a public profession of your faith in Jesus Christ. But today's the day. And this is what I would tell you, some of you right now, you know your next step is to publicly profess your faith in Jesus. You need to understand this is not your parents' decision. This is not something you do because of peer pressure. This is what you do as a believer in Christ. Saying this is what I believe. It's about your belief. It's about you saying I have a personal relationship with Jesus. I am trusting Jesus as my savior. And let me make this real simple. If you are a believer in Christ and you have not been baptized as a believer in Christ, according to the scripture, your next step is baptism. My goal today, our goal today, what we felt the Lord prompted us to do is not only to give those who, who, who have said, I want to be baptized, I, I realize God's leading me to be baptized, but also to give you, those of you who got up this morning, came to church not knowing that you would have an opportunity to be baptized. But for those who right now, God is putting it on your heart. I know I need to be baptized. Our desire is to remove every excuse that you could possibly have to not be baptized. One, we've already got lunch, right? No restaurants. So you can't be like, well, we've got a lunch date. Call them. They'd love to see you get baptized. Two, you're like, well, I wore my Sunday dress. No, you didn't. This is connection. You got on shorts and a flip-flop, one flip-flop. But just in case, just in case, man, listen, 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 listen. Some of you saw us do this back in October. I want you to understand we got shorts. 
right? We got some drawers. We got men's drawers. We got sports bras. Y'all never saw that at church. We got t-shirts. Listen, listen, ladies, we got everything you could possibly need. Okay, I'm just saying. Everything you could possibly need. Men, we got everything you could possibly need. This is what I would challenge you with. For those of you today who know that the Lord is leading you to be baptized, to publicly profess your faith in Jesus, every obstacle has been removed. You say, well, so-and-so is not here to see it. We'll take a picture. We got bunches of cameras that'll be out there. This is what I would tell you. The only thing left is for you to make a decision. Will I be obedient to Christ? Every obstacle is gone. There's no excuses. And this is what I'm going to do. In just a minute, I'm going to count to three. Those of you who know you were getting baptized, I want you to get up and come to the front. Those of you who didn't know you were getting baptized, I want you to get up and come to the front. And we are going to celebrate like crazy. When I say three, if the roof does not blow off of this auditorium, I'm going to be upset. Because we are going to celebrate like crazy those people who are publicly professing the fact that I am a follower of Jesus. Listen to me. Some of you in here today, you're nervous and you're scared. Grab the person next to you and bring them with you. They don't have to be baptized, but if you need some support, bring them with you. They can go with you. Come on. If you know somebody's next to you and they say, I want to be baptized, but I'm scared. Grab them and come on. It's going to be awesome. So we celebrate the life that Jesus gives us. The fact that his favor is on our lives to put us in position to make eternal significance, man. It's absolutely awesome. So on the count of three, this is what I want to do. I'm going to say three. You get up and you come. And we're going to celebrate your decision. You ready? One, two, three. Get up. Let's start moving. Come on. Somebody, come on. get up if you know you're supposed to be down here come on amen guys listen this is why we do what we do not just so that people can go underwater but so that we can celebrate the fact that Jesus changes lives he changes hearts he he gives us eternal life as we turn from our sin we turn to him These people today are publicly professing the fact that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Guys, we got to be jacked up and pumped about that. That is awesome. This is what the favor of God is about. It's what the favor of God does in our lives. What we're going to do is ask you guys, if you will, um, Billy's over there. He's the big guy with the blue shirt. Can't miss him. 
if you'll just follow him, we got some locker rooms, we got some nice places for you guys to change and get dressed. We've got your clothes back there. You can get everything you need and uh, you, can, uh, you can go ahead and go. And, and we've got some children also, I don't want to forget this, there's some children in Connection Kids that are going to be baptized also. And so, man, we're going to have an awesome celebration in just a moment right outside. It's going to be absolutely incredible. Let's give them a hand as they walk out of here. Proud of them.